please turn in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and uh, we're going to consider together by God's grace chapter 6 and from verse 10 into verse 14. Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Last time we came together to consider our spiritual enemy, the great enemy of God and the great enemy of the world. We move on to our spiritual warfare this morning and begin to look at our spiritual armour and in particular the first piece of armour that God gives us which is the belt of truth. So we looked more largely last time about the enemy rather than moving on to what God has done about the enemy. And that's where I want to begin this message this morning. What has God done about the evils of Satan and all that he has caused in the world, the havoc that he's created? Well, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 tells us the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. As we come up towards Christmas and remembering the, and remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, never forget why he came. He came into the world to break the power of the devil and destroy the devil's kingdom. He came to dispossess Satan of his power and bring the people of God into his kingdom out of the darkness of the kingdom of Satan. The Lord Jesus commissioned and empowered his disciples for ministry. And uh, when they came back, we're told in Luke chapter 10 that the 72 returned with joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I think the Lord Jesus Christ uh, there uh, was referring to a prophecy in the prophet Isaiah, chapter 14, where the prophet records, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Now, what is the significance of our Lord uh, referring to that which is what we believe. Well, remember our Lord Jesus existed as the eternal Son of God before his incarnation in our world. And so he was present 
when Satan and his angels rebelled against God and were thrown out of heaven uh, with, 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 with sudden action uh, like lightning strike. And so when Jesus' disciples came back to report their joy over their authority over demons, Jesus, by his divine omniscience, saw the powers of darkness falling before their ministry. And he is reminding them that Satan's a fallen foe now. He's subject to the authority of the Son of God. And wherever the gospel would go, and wherever the Holy Spirit came into hearts and lives, Satan was being cast out of people's lives, and people were being brought into the kingdom of the glorious Son of God. Revelation refers to this in chapter 12. This great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And this is what God has done about Satan. Our Lord Jesus Christ came into our world to save those who turn to him. Satan's doom is writ, as Martin Luther so famously once said. He's now maimed. He's a chained foe. He's awaiting his final sentence. But that does not mean to say he's not busy and he's not at work. The Lord Jesus, at another point in his ministry was accused by the Jews of being possessed by Beelzebub. They blasphemed the Lord Jesus and said, by the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. The Lord Jesus clearly refuted them with plain, simple logic. How can Satan cast out Satan, said the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he went on to tell a parable. The Lord Jesus said, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. So the Lord is referring there to Satan as a strong man and to himself as the one who enters the house and plunders the place. Jesus is not in league with Satan, that's obvious. But he'd come to earth to Satan's house in order to plunder Satan's goods, which is humanity under his sway. <clears throat> as the Lord said, in, as, as the Apostle John says in 1 John 5.19, <clears throat> we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And the Lord Jesus, the stronger man, according to his parable has come to deliver souls from the clutches of our greatest enemy. And every time an individual comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are rescued, rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. If you're a believer this morning, you're a freed slave. 
The devil has no longer any dominion over you. He can influence, he can tempt, he can seduce, but he cannot control you if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit is within you. It's a wonderful deliverance. The people of Israel celebrated their deliverance from slavery in Egypt and from the taskmasters. But we celebrate something much more wonderful. We are permanently delivered from the powers of darkness. Our master has broken the influences that retained us in spiritual blindness, in spiritual prejudice against God. And we stand safe and secure in the kingdom of heaven when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart. But remember what I said. Satan is a chained, a maimed foe, but that doesn't mean to say he's still not active. That's why the apostle is writing this to the Christians in Ephesus. He's warning them that there's going to be challenges to their Christian lives and their communities. How are we then to resist? So here is Paul. He's dictating this letter. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's probably got a Roman soldier nearby him. And the soldier may even have been chained up to him. And surely as he's writing this letter, and he remembers uh, about the grace of God which he's already spoken about and the work of Christ and, and, and the Christian's life in the world, he then remembers that there's a spiritual battle. He remembers that he's a man who is chained by a Roman soldier. And he picks up this figure at the end of his Ephesian letter to speak about how Christians are Christian soldiers resisting the devil and standing for the Lord in their lives. He repeats the word against uh, several times here. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's wiles. So he's recognising that Christians at times will be up against it. We will, times when we will be against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. God has done great things for us. But that doesn't mean to say we've now become passive. We've now got to be actively resisting evil and sin. Our battle is against evil and wrong, wherever it's to be found, whatever shape or form it's in. And we must remember that there's evil in the world in our time just as much as there was in the days of the New Testament. And we can't shut our eyes to it. We live in a different age. Every generation is different times. Different challenges come to us. There are things that... Uh, this generation is facing the lies of Satan, the misleading influences that we face that were, were unknown when I was a young man. There are always things that we have to work out what is right and what is true 
and be prepared to be alert to what is false and misleading. So we're to resist. Does the call to resist and to fight dishearten you? Most of us don't like the idea of struggling. Most of us pity the poor Ukrainians with all that's gone on in their land, robbed of the basic necessity of life, their country ruined. And yet what we're finding is a tremendous courage. We'll put up with it. We'd rather go without light and heat and comfort than be ruled by Russians. And as Christians we must say, we will put up with temptation. We will stand against evil. We'd rather do that than be outside of the kingdom of God. Are you disheartened? There was a king called Jehoshaphat. And... uh, he was faced by a seemingly overwhelming force. And he cried out in 2 Chronicles 20, it's recorded, we've no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And then God sent a prophet to him. Do not be afraid. Or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. We have a glorious captain. He leads us forth. He's with us every moment in our struggles when we are up against it. And whatever we're facing, the battle is the Lord. There's a story about the Battle of Jutland during World War I. It took very much uh, place in the Baltic where um, the convoys were seeking to bring relief particularly to our allies there. Um, there's there's a, a, a battleship um, in uh, Chatham Dockyard if you go to the historic dockyard and it's very interesting um, to learn and, and you can go on it it was, it was defending the convoys in the Baltic during the Second World War but in the First World War there was this big battle at Jutland and it became apparent there was a major flaw in our ships three of our most important vessels were sunk very quickly now they got heavily armoured hulls but they got wooden decks and the wooden decks offered no protection against long distance artillery shells that dropped on the deck and so ship manufacturers had to recognise that it wasn't just enough to put steel thickly down the side and armour the sides You had to deal with the deck as well. And it's so important that every part of our lives are guarded. Effective armour is a crucial element in victory. If you read anything about Ukraine, uh, you'll discover that uh, they're getting things that they've really needed to be effective against the invasion. And if anything is unprotected in our lives, 
the enemy's going to find a way of exploiting it if we're unprotected. So the Apostle Paul is reminding us that we are called to resist and we can resist because God is with us and because he's given us armour which we will seek to develop in a few weeks' time, God willing. But notice what the field of battle is. Verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers, and against spiritual forces. So the devil is a powerful evil spirit who works by countless agents. Uh, This is what surely the apostle is saying why we understand rulers, authorities, powers and forces. There are invisible forces at work in the world all around us. And Paul wants to give us some clear inkling of what they are and how they work. Paul refers to Christians in Ephesians chapter 2 earlier on. He says, Christians used to... This is how you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. He's saying, Christians, you used to follow the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who's at working now in the world. So he says, first of all, our struggle's not against flesh and blood. He's talking about struggle. He's using a Greek word for wrestling. Um, We had a a quiz night uh, Friday. One of the questions was, which is the oldest sport? And uh, wrestling was one of the options. And I was pretty sure that that was the answer. Um, I was absolutely right. Wrestling is something you don't need anything except your body. You don't need any weapons or any other things at all. And, And one of the things about wrestling is it's, Characterized not by sim- simply by strength, but by trickery and by deception. You know, you can see the picture of the puny little man up against the big muscular man, tossing him, tripping him. Uh, you know, it's, it's not simply won by, by strength alone, but by skill. And Paul is saying, our struggle, our, our wrestling, is not with human beings, not with the people around us, but with the, the invisible forces that lay behind them. It's the attitude and the spirit and the views and the the lies that people believe that we wrestle with, not the people themselves, but their ideas and their philosophies. Our struggles against spiritual rulers, he said. I, I suggest that Paul might be thinking about particular regions of the world where Satan is particularly powerfully strong. If you read anything about China, can you imagine being an ordinary person in China, let alone being a Christian, with Big Brother watching you everywhere you go, with with cameras when you cross the road, with them listening in on the internet, with them picking up on everything you do and hauling you in to be interrogated. It's surely a country that's in the grip of spiritual evil. Paul suggests that there's places in the world where Satan is so powerful. He talks about spiritual authorities. 
anti-Christian values that infect a community, that control the outlook of a society, the view that uh, it's me first, individualism rather than family and community that influences a society, spiritual authorities. He talks about dark spiritual powers, powers behind powerful figures in the world, when you, you, you think of, of, of particularly at the moment, we might have thought of Hitler at one time, we can think of Putin today. It, it, what a foolish thing he's done, and yet he won't back down. He's controlling the secular media. He's controlling the, the mindset of Russians. Struggles against spiritual forces. And Paul then says it's evil forces in heavenly realms. People have been blinded by ideas. We're not at war with uh, individual politicians or scientists. We're not physically fighting cults and sects. We're at war with their theories and their ideas. Satan, satanic spirits have enslaved their minds and given them tunnel vision, their own philosophies and false views of life. Why do people believe things that are so clearly not true? Why do people behave in a way that is clearly condemned and irrational? Why do scientists teach evolution if it's a, a, as, as a fact when it's a theory? Why do people suppress their knowledge that there's a, that there's a God out there when all the evidence is a creator and a designer and a master designer at that. Where do men and women get the idea that there is no absolute right and no absolute wrong when their conscience tells them otherwise? It's because their minds have been infected and blinded. That's where our warfare is. So what are we to do? Stand firm, says Paul with the belt of truth buckled round your waist. So, our first piece of armour is a belt. Not a, not a pretty belt, not a belt like a collar, but a belt that a soldier needs. Paul says, stand. If you were a Roman soldier, the first thing you would put on when you were getting ready is a belt. The belt of a centurion would often be pretty wide, four to six inches. It would be really heavy leather and it would be often riveted with plates so that it would actually hold very firmly together and have a buckle of brass. Why should you put on a belt? Well, first of all, a belt gives you support. Anybody who knows anything about lifting or weightlifting, as I said to the young people earlier, uh, you're going to very easily strain your back if you don't lift things in a good way. And a Roman soldier would know that his hips were the strongest part of his body. His armour that he would be holding with him or would be hanging on his belt would be heavy 
And if he'd got to stand for a long time or march a long distance, he needed strength in his midriff. So important. No good having a wobbly back. When somebody comes at a Roman soldier and bangs him with a sword or throws a spear against his shield, he doesn't want a weak back so that he falls backwards. He wants to be firm in his midriff so he's not toppled over by a blow. Now Paul says the first things Christians must do in this spiritual warfare is put on the truth. Stand with your waist girded with truth. Where do we find reliable, unchanging, dependable truth? We find it in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the inspired word. And when the truth is in our mind and it possesses us, we're not going to be shaken by attacks. Everything's going to hold to place in our lives. It's the foundation of our Christian lives. The uh, Lord Jesus Christ described himself as the way, the truth and the life. And we need to know what the Lord Jesus told us to know the truth. We need to go to a church where the truth is taught because the church of Jesus Christ is the pillar and ground of truth. And we need to practice what we know is the truth. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's like a soldier who's got his belt on and he's standing firm when the blows come at him from all directions. And Jesus has promised that the truth has power to make us free. If you hold my teaching, you really are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You won't be toppled. Do we understand the basic truth of God? What God has made known to himself in his word about his character, about his ways, about his plan. Do we really know uh, uh, what we need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we really understand the truth? The apostle earlier in this letter spoken about the message of truth that is the gospel of your salvation speaking the truth in love that as truth is in Jesus he's again and again reminding us that there is a true reliable truth that we can build our life on our future on our well-being on I read this story about the Alaskan bull moose. And the bull mooses in the um, autumn, or the fall as the Americans would call it, battle for dominance, going head to head with their antlers. And it's nearly always the heftiest moose who's got the longest and strongest antlers that wins. But actually the battle has not been won in the battle itself. The battle has been won earlier in the year 
when that moose has had a good diet and he's fed well and he's fed healthily and he's gained weight and he's got really strong antlers and that's what enables him when the rut comes to win the battle because he's fed up well during the summer months when food is plentiful and the same applies to us If we're going to stand firm in the temptations that come to us and the pressures that come upon us to be beaten, we nearly need to keep feeding our mind on the truth, listening to God's word, reading God's word, fellowshipping with God's people, building our strength up on the Lord's day maybe, so that when the pressures of a secular life or the pressures of school or the pressures of the neighbourhood come on you, you're well fed and can stand when people say things that are misleading and wrong. The belt gave support like a weightlifter would need. The belt gave protection. You remember I showed you a picture, got those tassels going down. And uh, these were to help the soldier if in in the battle um, there were low blows that came in in his lower abdomen and his genital areas and his stomach would be protected. And you see, this is what the truth does. It protects us from disinformation. We live in the age of scams. My word, it's amazing how many people um, get... get, uh, fake news, how many people get deceptive information either from the telephone or on the text messages or in other ways, misleading things and it's only as you've got the truth in your mind, you know what you believe you can quote what you believe that you're not going to be scammed by Satan and his lies and deception the belt gives you protection. Truth protects you. Thirdly, the belt keeps everything in place. You see, the the Roman soldier's belt would have loops for his sword, for his darts, for his rations, and it would be tied in such a way that however much he moved around, uh, nothing was going to drop off uh, if you see somebody on a building site, um, they'll have a belt, and, and in their belt they'll have a little pouch with perhaps a hammer, pencil, a knife, pliers, and uh, they will climb up their ladders, and everything's there ready at hand for them. And the Roman soldier would have his sword attached to his left side. If he was a right-handed man, he could just go and get his sword out in a flash. He knew where it was. He didn't have to. Where's my sword? He, he, It was there. He he got it at hand. It gave him uh, this ability to face the battle. When he was bouncing around on his horse, he knew where his weapons were. If the truth is in our mind, it keeps everything we need at hand. Our mind is furnished by God's word, by God's promises. One of the sad things is I'm not the greatest memoriser of scripture. I can remember being at Sunday school and really embarrassed that I couldn't always remember what I should have memorised. 
Some of us are a little bit like that still today. It's a wonderful thing if you can memorise scripture and you can quote it um, uh, at, at a minute's notice. And if our minds are furnished by God's promises and God's warnings, it really helps us to have everything in place and stand against the enemy when he comes and attacks us. But there's one more thing. The belt would give readiness for action. Now remember that Roman soldiers didn't wear trousers. Uh, they, they wore uh, 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 something more like a kilt. And uh, when they wanted to move quickly, they obviously didn't want to tangle up um, in their tunic. So they would pull their tunic up and tuck it into their belt so that they could... Uh, uh, run more freely. I don't know whether your postman's like it. Our postman always seem to go around with shorts on, no matter how cold it is. Um, it's because they're hopping in and out their van or jumping on and off their bike and going around houses. It, it's so they move freely and easily. Uh, otherwise, uh, they, they, they have their um, uh, trousers worn out in no time. Um, the Roman soldiers w w would have um, a belt so that he could move quickly. Um, this is what Peter had, his, had in mind when he wrote in chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. Now, if you're familiar with the authorised version, you will know what, I'm, what that verse translates like. Gird up the loins of your mind. I'm giving you the modern version. Prepare your minds for action. How we prepare our minds for action? With the truth in our mind. This is how Peter puts it in chapter 3. In your hearts revere Christ the Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But you do this with gentleness and respect. The belt of truth gives you a ready answer. Helps you understand how you deal with the situations that you're suddenly confronted with. This is the first piece of armour. Let me refresh your mind where we've come from. Last time we looked at our great enemy. This morning we've looked at what God has done about our enemy and how we are to resist and our field of battle is the spiritual powers under Satan in the world he is so influential in and then God has said to us if you're going to stand up against the enemy you're going to stand up in my strength <coughs> but my strength is going to come to you by you being girded around, encircled with my truth. The truth of the scriptures is going to give you support. It's going to protect you. It's going to keep everything in place in your life so you know how to live the Christian life in your home, in your school, in your community, in your workplace, in every place. And it's going to give you readiness for action. Readiness to face temptation. 
Remember how the Lord resisted temptation when Satan came to him in the, in, 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 uh, the wilderness? He quoted scripture straight back at him. And if perhaps you're under pressure uh, uh, and you feel really struggling, quote the promises of God. The belt gives readiness for action. Brothers and sisters, friends, are we ready to face the enemy? We can, through God's help, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our foe is maimed. May God help us to keep pushing him back to the glory of God.